Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Bring, bring it bring it to the Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, now we are back with another club update, this time talking all things Burnley with Jamie Smith, who you may know from ESPN FC or No Nay Never, uh, which is, always has great Burnley content going on over there. Uh, Jamie, maybe not the most enjoyable match, but you do get a point uh, away from home. Uh, anything important happened in that Sunderland match, or was it as dull as it looked for the 20 minutes that I watched? Uh, it was pretty dull. <laughs> <laughs> we started the game really well, actually, and uh, it looked like we were going to get the the first away win on season. Obviously, it's become a bit of a problem for us, a bit of a monkey on the back, and I think the players are, are very aware of that record, shall we say, when they're, when they're out there on the pitch. It seems like it's it's become a bit of a mental block for us now. Um, we had two really good chances in the first half. Probably should have been at least 1-0, maybe 2-0 up at the break. After half-time, Sunderland improved a bit. Tom Heaton had to make some big saves. Um, and it, it seemed to me like we decided 0-0 was a good enough result. Um, which it's a bit of a disappointing attitude for me because if, if you're not going to go to Sunderland and try and win, it makes me wonder how we're going to win away games, not just this season, but thinking ahead to next season as well. You've got to, be, you've got to be willing to go and try and win these games. You can't just try and pick up draws, and we can't expect to get thirty, thirty-five points at home every time. So, you know, it's difficult. I, I sort of understand why Dash is now being very cautious, just trying to get to the. 38 points, 40 points, whatever it is that we're going to need. We are very close. We probably only need a couple more wins, but you get three points for a win and one for a draw. So it makes sense to me to sometimes have a bit of a gamble. And I think that Sunderland on Saturday was one of those occasions where we should have pushed a bit harder to try and win the game. Um, I mean, Sunderland are terrible, absolutely atrocious. They're one of the worst teams I've seen in the flesh in a long time, so both the league games against Sunderland this season, they haven't got any better, beat them 4-1 at our place. Um, and yeah, we just we didn't take our chance in the first half, and then the second half, we, we didn't really try to win the game. Um, but we have just had four away games in a row, we got two points out of those, which considering our away form all season, that's better than we could have expected, I suppose, in some ways. Um and we we have been getting closer. We were in front at Liverpool. We were in front at Swansea. Um, so it feels like we are getting a bit closer. But progress has been extremely slow away from home this season. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, <laughs> that things away have been a little bit rougher. And you did just have this stretch of the four away matches. Um, 
in your remaining home fixtures, do you think you can pick up that remaining uh, six points? As you mentioned, the 38-point barrier tends to be more realistic than the 40 uh, for who stays up and who doesn't. You do have some tough fixtures remaining at Turf Moor uh, with Manchester United and Tottenham there. But are there enough of those kind of winnable, quote-unquote, matches that, that you're pretty confident? I would think so, yeah. I mean, um, I'd, I'd rather we had a, an easy game than Spurs to come off the international break especially when I think it's seven games without winning all competitions now. So we'd really like to have a game that we would fancy ourselves to win. Um, but I think two, three days after that, we've got Stoke come to the turf. And Stoke are a decent side, but they're pretty much safe. They're not great away from home. I think we'll target that as a very winnable game. And if we win that one, we'll be extremely close. So, yeah, I'm not too concerned at the moment. There is still a risk that we can get pulled back in. Teams below us are going to start winning at this stage of the season. That always seems to happen. Um, and we have put pressure on that Stoke game. If we'd beaten Sunderland, we'd be 10th, 11th in the table, looking a long way clear. Whereas at the minute, it seems like most weekends we're slipping maybe a point closer or even just like teams catching up a bit and goal difference. It, it just seems like it's gradually sucking us back in at the moment so we do need to get a win at some point there is going to be pressure on that Stoke game but if we play like we have been at home for most of the season we should beat Stoke and then we'll be pretty much there yeah um not to twist the screw on this away form stuff anymore but um people have kind of cooled on Tom Heaton after the start of the season everybody recognized how great he was I'm pretty sure he's still first in the saves by like a hilarious margin yeah his his form actually dropped at all or has people's attention just kind of dropped? I, I don't think his form's dropped so really. Um, there's only been a couple of goals all season that he maybe couldn't come better with. And even those, I don't think, have been blatant mistakes where you'd say that's the goalkeeper's fault. That goal would not have happened if the goalkeeper had done better. Um, at Sunderland, he was probably our best player. He made a couple of very important saves at the start of the second half when Sunderland came out quickly after the interval, um, helped to keep us in the game and made sure that we got the point in the end, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm absolutely happy with, with Tom Heaton. I think he's he's unspectacular a lot of the time. The one game he's had this season that was really eye-catching was the game at Man United, which was, for me, one of the best individual performances of the season. It was absolutely incredible in that game. Um but you, you're just not going to do that every week. Um, we normally protect him reasonably well. Sounds like a strange thing to say with all the saves he's made, but um, the Liverpool game, for example, I think both goals that he conceded, he was unsighted. There wasn't much he could do about it. And he didn't actually make a save until the last minute of normal time. So I think he's, he's just a solid and reliable goalkeeper. So I think we get um, we take him for granted a little bit. He missed the game through injury at was it the Swansea game he missed Paul Robinson played instead and he used to be a very good goalkeeper Paul Robinson but he's getting on a bit now his reactions aren't what they used to be and I think probably if Heaton had been in goal for that Swansea game I'm not sure we'd have lost it we might not have won it but I don't think we would have lost it so I don't think we should take him for granted he's a very good player he's obviously our captain as well it's very important that he, he carries on doing a good job for us yeah, another key cog at the back there for you is Michael Keane, who we think is going to start for England here pretty shortly. 
uh, from the time we record. If he does get that start, will that be very meaningful to Burnley to have somebody that's an England international from the club? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Heaton's got a couple of caps now, but they're both um, from the bench, just cameos, really. I think one of his caps was two, three minutes, and he only switched the ball once. So um, he's still been involved, but it's, it's not quite the same as starting. Reports indicate that Keane is going to start tonight. He's going to start as part of a back three, which is a bit of a strange call. He's never played in a back three for us. Um, Chris Smalling hasn't really played much in a back three for Man United either. So I'm not sure what the thinking there is from Southgate. But yeah, I've, I've been banging the drum for Michael Keane all season. I think he's adapted to the Premier League extremely well. He's comfortable on the ball, he's quick, he's goodish in the air, he could probably get better in the air, but reads the game extremely well, he's very comfortable, and he, he just seems to be ready, I think, for this extra step up. England don't have a lot of high-class players in any areas, and I think Michael Keane has the potential to, to go on and hit that sort of level. Comparisons always made with, with John Stones, I saw in one of the articles about the team selection today that Stones was being rested for the Lithuania game because Kale's suspended for that one. Um, it just seems ridiculous to me that Keane plays because Stones is being rested when Keane's a better defender than John Stones. I've been saying this all season and I remain convinced even if Stones has been a bit better recently. So hopefully Keane will, will have a good performance. It's going to be a very tough game. Germany are obviously extremely strong. England have got a lot of players missing, going through a bit of a rebuilding process under Southgate. So... I think it's important for Michael Keane as well. He's got a year left on his contract. Chances are we're going to have to sell him in the summer. So this is a big opportunity for him to show what he can do at a higher level, prove to the the teams that are going to be thinking of bidding for him that he is ready to make that step up. Um, And obviously it's massive for for Burnley that we're going to have a player starting for England. It's something that a few years ago you just get laughed at for suggesting there'd be two Burnley players in the squad. So... It's absolutely fantastic for us, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, a uh, couple of final things I want to touch on are the January signings. Robbie Brady first um, yep. was, uh, I, th- I thought, one of the better signings in January, especially for a team you know that, that looked like you were probably going to stay up. It just felt like that was kind of the, the sure. clutching move. Um, and he had a few good performances for you, but it, obviously he hasn't started the last two now. Uh, what's, what's, what's going on there, I guess? Yeah, it's it's hard to say really. I mean, um, he scored that excellent free kick against Chelsea, and a lot of people are, are, yeah, this is what we bought him for. But even after the Chelsea game, I think Brady said when he talked to the press that he didn't feel like he played well, and he was right. He hadn't played well at all, um, and he just hasn't played well for us at all, really yet. Um, but it is early days. He's only been with us a few weeks. Um, it was a stark contrast at the weekend, though. That he'd been left out of the team for the Sunderland game. And then I think on the Sunday, he was at the Isle, the Ireland award ceremonies where he won all three of the main awards. So um, hopefully he'll get back some confidence going away to play for Ireland over this international break. He's obviously a bit low on confidence. I don't know whether he's struggling to adapt to our system, whether it's just getting used to the Premier League again after a period in the championship with Norwich, whether it's something in his personal life. I've got absolutely no idea, but, it's it's fair to say that he's been underwhelming so far for the money paid. I agree with you. He looked like a perfect signing for us. We've been linked with Robert Snodgrass as well. I'd have preferred Snodgrass, but he's done nothing at West Ham. So 
you can't even argue that we signed the yeah. wrong player. I think we, we got the right guy. It was a good price. He's versatile. He's a good age. I think he'll prove to be a good signing, but we need to be a bit patient with him. I think a good comparison is Jeff Hendrick. Hendrick and Brady were close friends growing up. They played for various teams growing up. They're obviously full Ireland internationals together now. When we signed Hendrick, he went through something very similar to Brady. He struggled to make an impact. It wasn't clear what role he was playing in the team. He was playing in the Premier League for the first time and he didn't look up to it for a while, to be honest. Then he scored a spectacular goal against Bournemouth and it really seemed to kick him on. It seemed to make him believe and realise that he could be a Premier League player. He is a Premier League player. He's just got to believe that he is one now. And he's been much better since then. So I think we've, we've got to be a bit careful with Brady. We can't write him off too quickly. We've obviously invested a lot of money into him. The way Dyche is handling the situation is understandable in a way that you take someone who's under some pressure out of the firing line but for me if someone's low on confidence and struggling a bit you have to show a bit of faith and mm. bringing them on for 18 minutes in a terrible game at Sunderland isn't the way to do that I think you've got to put him in the team and leave him in the team and say we've got the we moved by record signing you're going to get time we're going to leave you in the team and don't worry because we're probably going to stay up anyway, so there's no pressure. Mm. And just just try and be patient with him, because it's not worked out yet, but chances are he will come good. So I'm not too worried at the moment, but I think the way Daesh is handling the situation is maybe a bit questionable. He might put him back in for the home games. Maybe it's just been the away games where we've been under pressure. Mm. Uh, your other uh, big January signing was Joey Barton, the return of the prodigal son, if you will. St. Joey, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or something. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, he's still dealing with the uh, gambling suspension, possibly, um, but he's managed to dodge it thus far. Uh, what has he brought to you on the pitch, though, since rejoining Burnley? Yeah, well, exactly the same quality he brought to us last season. Um, obviously, like, he's he's got this mixed record of things that have gone wrong for him in his personal life and on the pitch. And he's still got this slightly self-destructive streak. I think that was partly what made him decide to leave Burnley and go to Rangers. So he's still got this little red button that he pushes inside his own brain sometimes to screw it up for himself. Um, But in fairness, he made the right call to come back and he's been very important for us. Came back at a time when Dean Marnie was going to be out for the rest of the season. Stephen Defoe's had a period where he's been out. So it's been just as well that we've had Barton. Um, He's a leader on the pitch. I think we lack leadership in some areas and Barton's very important in that area. Um, He also uses the ball extremely well. He's quite creative. He's got decent set pieces. So he brings a lot to the table. I think the Lincoln City Cup game was the, the one time where we've been a bit worried about Joey. He had a running with one of their players called Matt Reed and really didn't get the better of that. Reed dominated him in the air, wound him up to such an extent where Barton probably should have been sent off, really. That's the first time we've seen him lose his head for us and the concern was that it would roll over and carry on a bit, but it was just that one day where he must have got out of bed on the wrong side or something. It just didn't happen for him on that day. He lost it a bit, but since then it's been back to normal and I think, although he's getting on a bit, I'm hopeful that he'll be with us next season and this suspension thing that's hanging over him doesn't seem to be affecting his game. So hopefully the ban 
we assume he's going to get a ban at some point. When it comes, hopefully it's not going to be too big. Yeah, and uh, not a January signing at all, but do just want to touch on Andre Gray a little bit. Um, he has these like great highs, like his brace a couple uh, weeks back. Um, seems like when he's on form, he can just do no wrong. I tend to think that his uh, upside is close to that, that maybe just a little more consistency would um, be the way to improve there for him because I think the highs are already pretty dang high. Um, what do you think his, his upside is? What do you think his ceiling is as a player? It's hard to tell, really. I mean, um, I think he posted on Twitter today that it's five years ago today since he signed for Luton Town. Mm. Um, so it's a sign of, of how meteoric his rise has been, really, that he's now a regular Premier League goal scorer just five years after he was played at that level. So um, I think it's shown he's come a long way. In the Premier League, you probably need to have a bit more to his game than he's got at the moment, but his raw attributes are still very strong. He's quick, he's strong, uh, he's powerful. So I, th- I think he's still learning how to how to use his strengths in the Premier League, I think it's fair to say. Um, in terms of consistency, it looks like he's had periods of good form and bad form. I'm not sure that's really the case. I think it's down to the service he's getting as much as anything. I think this is the case for most strikers, really, isn't it? There's so few players out there who are going to create things for themselves out of nowhere. Andre Gray is very much the sort of player that you have to create the chance for him. He's not going to do it on his own. And some games, we've just not done that. There's been so many games this season where he's not had a chance. And you look at his performance and he's not done much, but what do you expect him to do? (laughs) You don't get the ball to him in the right areas he's not going to be effective. Mm. Um, and Sunderland, for example, on Saturday, we had this habit of playing high balls into the channel with the idea that he can use his pace to get there before the defender, back in, wait for support, try and get the ball into the box. But then you get the ball into the box and Andre Gray's not in the box. So it, it just seems a bit of a, a backwards, illogical tactic to me. I think we need to be a bit more patient on the ball um, try and get the ball into Gray's central areas in the penalty area where he can hurt teams. We've shown that he can do that in the Sunderland game at home where he's got a hat-trick. He got the service that he needs in that game. We don't seem to have learned from that game that that's what he needs. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with Gray because he started being linked with with moves away in the summer. So I think Spurs were linked, Palace were linked, talk of West Brom as well. So I think there will be interest in the summer. He's only going to have a year left on his contract, like Michael Keane. We assume Keane's going to be sold. Mm. Gray might be in a similar position. Um, but he scored goals at every level he's played at. He's proved this season that he can score goals in a team that doesn't create an awful lot. So I think he'll have a good career in the Premier League. I reckon he can be a 15-goal season man with the right service. But he is a bit one-dimensional in some respects. So you do have to give him the right type of service. Saying giving him the right type of service is, is really interesting because, you know, you have those forwards um, that do better in smaller teams where they can be more the focal point and then other yeah. other players that do much better just because the talent around them tends to be better. Do you think he'd do well, you know, at a top four, top six club? Or do you think uh, staying at a club maybe just short of that where he'd get the ball a little bit more would benefit him? Um. I don't know. I, I think it's hard to say. I think um, there's a lot of strikers who would probably score goals at a top six club just because they get more chances. Mm. Um, I'm not going to say that Andre Gray is good enough to play for Arsenal, but if he played every game for Arsenal, he'd probably get 15 to 20 goals just because of the number of chances that they create. Um, 
but they're not going to go out and buy him to replace Olivier Giroud because he's not as good. Um, so I don't know really. I think um, obviously if Spurs were interested, he'd be more cover for Kane, another option rather than competition. Mm. Um, a couple like Palace, he'd probably get more games. West Brom, he'd probably get more games. So. I, th- I think it's difficult, but footballers are always going to back themselves to True. go and play, aren't they? You never. There's very That's few why anyone footballers. goes to Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, there's very few footballers that genuinely say, "I've taken this move and I know I'm just going to sit on the bench and earn loads of money." They all think that they're going to be good enough to play. So, um, I'm interested to see what happens. I'd be hopeful that we can convince him to stay. Obviously, there was the the thing about the the suspension he had for his social media throughout the season, where you could argue the club stood by him and maybe he owes us something off the back of that. I'm not sure the club really did anything different than any other club would have done in that situation, but you can argue that he maybe owes us something from that. We gave us, we've given him his chance in the Premier League, so you could argue that he could sign a new deal and give us another season, but realistically, the money that we can offer, even a star player like Andre Gray, compared to the vast majority of Premier League teams, it's just not as much. So I think he'll probably have offers in the summer and it's going to be quite difficult for us to keep him. Hmm. Well, I, I think uh, it would be great if he does stay, especially if you get Robbie Brady you know, cracking on that wing because yeah. he obviously has a lot of uh, great service in that foot of his. Uh, all right, that'll do it for us now. Uh, anything you'd like to plug or want to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, I currently host the No Name Never podcast, weekly podcast about Burnley. You can find that at noneneever.net and on Twitter at noneneverNet. I also do blogs and player ratings for ESPN FC, so that's every Thursday or Friday and then after the match as well. All right, thanks so much, Jamie, and uh, hopefully we're going to keep talking to you next year because you're going to stay in the Premier League. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, thanks. No worries.